Hello, quarantiners, and welcome to Let's Farmanize. I'm Shane Gerritsen. And I'm Cal Vandergrift. And this is the Pharmacy Podcast that brings you current events, pharmaceutical history, examinations of drugs and pop culture, and much more. Today, we're going to be giving an update on COVID-19, along with potential treatment options being studied, and a fictional drug, Prosium, as seen in the film Equilibrium. All that and more on Let's Farmanize. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The views and opinions expressed within are those of the authors and speakers themselves and do not necessarily represent any affiliated institution or third party. Hello and welcome to our very first quarantine episode. Over the next few weeks to months, we're hoping to bring you all the same content, pharmacy-related. Okay. <laughs> Of course, of this course. is a pharmacy yeah. podcast. Yeah, from what I understand. Absolutely. Now we're going to be talking about what's on everybody's mind, the uh, COVID-19 or coronavirus. Mm-hmm. We actually talked about this in our inaugural episode back way back mm-hmm. in January. January 18th, I believe it was released. Mm-hmm. We got the scoop. We definitely did get the scoop. However, there was no way we could have anticipated <laughs> the sheer numbers of being being affected by the virus now, I mean, it's it's pretty astronomical. Yeah, we went from what one death to now over a hundred thousand. No, not in, no. That's that's wrong. the yeah. You're total reading, okay. total recovered. Yeah, 16,380 16, deaths. Um, total cases have been three hundred and seventy two thousand throughout the world. Um, it very very rapidly spread from Wuhan, China, to the rest of of Asia, and now it's it's uh, popping up all over the all over the world. Uh, large volumes in Europe, uh, North America. We're not going to talk a whole lot about the cases themselves or any, we don't really want to talk about like the stuff that's in the news. We want to talk about the very, very pharmaceutical aspect. We're going to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. treatment options. We're going to talk a little bit about the what little we do know about the, the uh, virus. Did you know that they've actually sequenced the genome though? I have they now. That's good. Yes. Yeah, they did. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it's very similar to other viruses of the same family, the other coronavirus, particularly mm-hmm. SARS and MERS, but it's still, it's got like its little uniquities, which make it uh, difficult to treat. So far, there's been a lot of recoveries as well. The total who have been confirmed and recovered from the virus uh, number over 100,000, which is good news. Um, mm-hmm. It's still something to definitely be very cautious about. I'm sure you're seeing the social distancing, quarantine, wash your hands, all that, all the fun stuff. Yeah. It's actually interesting to see that we're looking at the at the screen right now. We'll give you a link to see the current global map. But a lot, like uh, six, almost 60% of the total recoveries have been from mainland China, which is really a good sign because we all know that's where it started in Wuhan. And a lot of the treatments that I'm going to be discussing in a little bit are directly from what some of the doctors did in Wuhan, particularly. And some things, like even first, other first world countries, have not implemented to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, before we get into the treatment options, I do want to do like a very, very basic discussion of the coronavirus, since there's so much misinformation flying around. Let's start with some very basic facts. Firstly, the coronavirus, as its name implies, is a virus. It is different from bacteria in many ways. Namely, it's not considered a living thing, which I think there's still... That's debate still up for about debate. it's still yeah. up for debate. I think it's an interesting debate, and I like to participate in it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the viruses are living things. What they, do you think? They don't have nucleus. That's well, neither do prokaryotic cells. Well, I suppose so. But that's that's a good starting place. Yeah. To, if if they're not nucleated, 
There's a bunch of different things. Yeah. yeah. They don't necessarily metabolize things. They don't respirate. Yeah. Those are like, the, I think the two basic criteria, right? I think. We'll have to, we didn't do enough research on this. This is not. I did. Oh, well, you did. Well, I didn't. Okay, that's fine. We're gonna move on. They're also much, much smaller than bacteria. Hundreds times smaller. They're much biologically way simpler than bacteria. Now, some people, they often hear the word germs and it just kind of is like the all encompasses bacteria and viruses, but they are, they are super, super different. Most bacteria are actually helping you. Only about 1% of bacteria can make you sick. The rest help you digest food and protect you from other more harmful bacteria. Viruses, by nature, this is another key difference between bacteria, they must inhabit a host cell to reproduce. Bacteria does not have this requirement. I can't think of a virus that's not pathogenic. Pathogenic meaning causing disease. Yeah. Um, whereas bacteria, there's plenty of bacteria so that, are, that are helpful. Yeah. Even, even like E. coli, there's strains of E. coli that just inhabit your gut naturally. Even the E. coli's got that horrible connotation of being, being that deadly yeah. diarrhea machine. Um, <laughs> viruses cause a host of ailments from the flu to herpes to rabies, Ebola, polio. There's lots of different types of viruses. This uh, 2019 coronavirus is kind of a misnomer. And I, I, I don't like that it's become the primary name in the media for this virus since corona refers to an entire family of viruses. Mm -hmm. Like we discussed in our uh, premiere episode, it is so named for its corona of peplomers surrounding the virus as we described right. it also likened it to a kush ball not unlike a kush ball definitely not unlike a kush ball viruses can be broken down into structurally based categories mainly two categories enveloped and non-enveloped or enveloped viruses an enveloped virus has a lipid membrane around the capsid or protein structure that's the the center you can liken it to a nucleus, but again, it is way, way simpler. It's just like a big, big clump of protein, essentially. And the envelope itself makes it very sensitive to heat. And the envelope usually has peplomers, much like the coronavirus or COVID-19. See there, I just did it. These peplomers enable the virus to actually bind to host cells for viral entry. The membranes then merge and the viral genetic material enters the cell. This is also the case for HIV, herpes, measles, Ebola, and a number of other uh, pathogenic viruses. They're enveloped viruses and they infect human cells the same way. Non-enveloped viruses are a little less agile when it comes to cell entry. They have to sort of trick the cell into consuming themselves, only being able to enter the cell through endocytosis. Now we could talk about viral replication, but I think that stuff gets, gets pretty advanced. It's, it's pretty dense. Maybe, we'll, maybe that'll come up in the, um, the treatment options. Maybe, yeah. yeah. We'll have a couple things that we, we'll talk about specific pathways of antiviral medications. Okay, do you want to dive into that? Let's do it. Let's go. We have seven treatment plans that potentially someone with COVID-19 could get um, and potentially aid them. And all of these seven have shown some sort of efficacy. These are all very speculative treatment plans. Yeah. These are, nothing is recommended right now by the CDC. These are just some treatment plans that we've, or that, Calvin has come across in his, mm -hmm. his reading some things that different countries are, are trying out. None of them have proved. Well, some of them obviously have some evidence behind them in the past right. couple of months, but that's not really a sufficient body of evidence yeah. to clearly indicate that something is the proven treatment or the mm -hmm. best possible option, course of action for every patient. Yeah, actually, I, I guess I should have preluded with there is no cure or treatment 
currently to COVID-19. But these, all seven of these, as you said, have shown some sort of efficacy to where we need to do further research or there's current research already being done on them. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the big one. A lot of people, particularly in this country, have heard a lot about Plaquenil. Uh, Plaquenil combined with azithromycin, which is an antibiotic. Um, so it's a combination of an anti-malarial drug. Plaquenil itself, hydroxychloroquine, is an anti-malarial drug used to treat malaria. And when in combination with azithromycin, has shown to have pretty significant benefits towards these patients with COVID-19. So what this all stems from is a certain very, very small trial done in France that really showed potential for hydroxychloroquine hydroxychloroquine, HCQ. I'm going to call it HCQ. That's fine. So there's some big names that are talking about it. If you live in the United States, you've probably heard about President Trump endorsing this particular drug combo a lot, especially on his Twitter. Um, and Dr. Oz now has gotten on board with talking oh, about great. yeah, Plaquenil and azithromycin. A lot of people might know azithromycin. If that's unfamiliar to you, a lot of people might know it as Zithromax or maybe a Z-Pack. Yeah. A lot of people probably have heard that more than azithromycin. Z-Pack is probably the most familiar. Mm -hmm. So it's this very, very common antibiotic prescribed all throughout the world. And when given in combo with this anti-malarial, it's shown some positive efficacy. However, there's, a, there's quite a few cons behind Plaquenil and azithromycin. First of all, that France study, very, very, very small. There was only 36 people in the study. That's it. And I think 16 of them had to drop out for other reasons. So really only 20 people were at the end of the trial. But 14 out of those 20 did not have COVID-19 by day six of the treatment. So that's mm -hmm. 70%. Pretty good. Not, not bad. Uh, but only 20 people. That's a very, very small sample size. And it, wasn't, it was a non-randomized trial. So you can't even exclude bias. And you said it was by the sixth day of the treatment? They yeah, had, by day six. How yeah. do we know that maybe the virus just had run its course by that point? We don't. But that's what the evidence shows, and that's what the data supports from this 20-person trial. Yeah. So it's a very, very small trial. And the Surgeon General, I don't know if you've seen what the Surgeon General's been doing as of lately. This is really coming up today a lot. But he's not very happy with um, what President Trump has been saying and what some of the other media outlets have been saying on Plaquenil. Hmm. Because uh, I mentioned Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz came on a popular Fox News show called Fox and Friends. And he went to talk. Never and heard he, of it. Exactly. Uh, but he induced Plaq he, he um, endorsed Plaquenil mm -hmm. and, and azithromycin. And um, because of that, the Surgeon General has now canceled Fox and Friends for the time being. Can he do that? He can do that, apparently. He has TV cancellation powers? I guess he can does. Can he bring TV shows back? <laughs> we should email Can him. he bring back Firefly? Uh, well, there's a pretty good cult following behind that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why that was like my can. first thought. Firefly, yeah. yeah. Didn't that only have like half a season? It was like really short. Yeah, it was like, yeah, I never saw it. But anyways, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's okay. He shut down Fox and Friends for endorsing it with really no true evidence to show. Um, there's plenty of quotes out there. You can go look them up. They're pretty widely covered in the news. Some extra info, though, that you need to know about Plaquenil and azithromycin. Um, it has shown that it kills the novel coronavirus and novel meaning um, the new strain COVID of COVID-19. Um, it kills it in a lab setting in a test tube, which... You know, only means so much. 
but it does do that. As I mentioned, 14 out of 20 patients tested did show negative after day six of, tr of treatment. Um, and I want to bring this up very shortly uh, because I'll be discussing this a little bit more in the next treatment option. There was a big deal about cyclosporins and their potential effect to cure HIV about 20 years ago. Really? Maybe 25 years ago. Cyclosporins and, uh, being the um, immunosuppressants. Immunosuppressant drugs, right. Um, one of those combos we're actually going to talk about in, in a couple uh, treatment options. It was really blown out of proportion in the media and turned out that there isn't really a cure for HIV. Essentially, it was marketed as the next cure and treatment for HIV. So when you hear about Plaquenil and azithromycin, I'm not going to tell anyone what to do with their medical advice, but I would be wary of the past because it, we have seen something like this before. But there's plenty of false reporting done on cyclosporins with, H, with HIV, which... That's really, I'd, I'd like to read there's, about that. I could do a whole nother episode on that if we, I mean, there's a lot of content behind that. That'll come up for a good history, history segment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on. That was Plaquenil and azithromycin. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the big one everyone's heard about. Yeah. And uh, by the way, these first four that I'm going to talk about are all um, being currently investigated by uh, what is known as the Solidarity Trial, yeah. which I think the World Health Organization is behind and a couple other major drug companies are behind researching these four drugs. Before we go any further into the other treatment options, I'm going to say something quick about the, the Plaquenil situation. It's also commonly used as an immunosuppressant for things like uh, rheumatoid arthritis or lupus. Right. And now, even, even in our small community here, my patients at my pharmacy, they are having trouble getting their lupus medication because of the, mm -hmm. the influx of, of prophylactic prescriptions for hydroxychloroquine for coronavirus, the yeah. the impact is, has been immediate and profound, and it's definitely cause for concern. Right. I mean, people are buying this in bulk now. Like people are hoarding it, like they were hoarding hoarding toilet paper. Yeah, like a it's few days ago. Frustrating. Yeah. That's what you get when you get media hype fired up. Yeah. Fired up. Kind of start over hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. Okay, so the next three drugs and drug combos that I'm going to talk about are all antiviral medications. Mm -hmm. And these are the other three major drug classes and drugs that are currently being researched by the Solidarity Trials. This one that I'm going to talk about is called Remdesivir. Uh, remdesivir is an RNA-dependent RNA polymerase inhibitor. So an RNA-dependent RNA polymerase inhibitor. So I'm assuming it prevents the virus from... Continuing like, to replicate. The replication, exactly. yeah. That's that's all it is. It has shown to work in a test tube and in other animal studies in treating both the SARS and the MERS viruses. Okay. Okay. Um, that was actually done, that was actually a study done back in 2017 at UNC Chapel Hill, just down oh, the road. Oh, cool. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was intended originally to be a drug used to treat the Ebola virus. And uh, I'll get into uh. that in a second. High doses also don't cause toxicity, which That's is good. pretty good. That's another big pro because a lot of these drugs you'll see um, at higher doses and late stage development can actually harm the patient yeah. with COVID-19. Um, so here's the cons of remdesivir. Um, had no effect on the Ebola virus when it came out, hmm. but it did have an effect on SARS and MERS, which means something. Yeah, um, It's a very, very expensive drug. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure how much it is. I didn't look into that. It's pretty expensive. It's not very cheap. Um, might want a good RX that. Yeah, I think I will. It's how do you spell it? R E M D E S 
IVIR. I bet it's pretty pricey. Uh, it's not even on GoodRx. That shows you how expensive it, expensive it is, I guess. Remdesivir also is one of these drugs that needs to be caught in early stages because it's shown, it is shown to cause harm in patients in late stage development of the COVID-19 virus. Mm -hmm. And um, Dr. Stanley Perlman of the University of Iowa, I wanted to include this quote, um, because of the fact that it, it only is used in very early stages of COVID-19, and on top of it, it's very expensive. And it's it's really designed for people with mid to moderate level symptoms, yeah. not very severe symptoms that like we've seen. Yeah. Um, he, he said that 85 out of the 100 patients that would potentially get this wouldn't even need it hmm. because they just fall out of that classification. Yeah. But it has shown to be efficacious in early stages and in MERS and SARS. So that is a big one that we're currently researching. Definitely not first-line therapy, though, it sounds like. No, it yeah. probably couldn't be. It's it's pretty expensive yeah. from what I read. Oh, yeah. But, so the next one I want to talk about, this is the HIV drug that I was going to talk about with... Um, this was hyped up big to be the HIV cure, um, and now it's being researched again for the coronavirus. It seems like a trend. The it's it's H starting H to be former trend. HIV cure. It actually is. I believe it is FDA approved. It is FDA approved mm -hmm. in 2000 for treatment of HIV, mm -hmm. and it's a combination of ritonavir and lapinavir. Okay, cool. So um, that's a pretty people might have heard of that one. That's yeah. It's a pretty common drug combo. Um, this one inhibits a, a very specific HIV protease. But it also uh, has shown to limit other proteases in viruses, including a coronavirus known as MERS. Oh. Um, it, worked in, it worked for MERS in marmosets. 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 Aren't those like little squirrels or monkey squirrels? I think it means marmots. Like, have you ever seen a marmot? They're like a land otter. That's not a good example. Whoa. <laughs> They're cute. I'm sure they, they sound adorable. Yeah, but they... Were injected with MERS. Oh no! Yeah, but it it worked to cure them. So yeah, that's that's a win. You think they're still around? Um, probably, maybe. <laughs> no. I don't know how long the lifespan of marmosets are, but I don't know. That was like twenty years ago. Oh, they're definitely dead. Yeah, they're probably dead now. Yeah, I don't think they made it. But uh, unfortunately, um, luckily for the marmosets, but unlucky for the human populations, treatments with, um, with this drug combo, with ritonavir and lapinavir, were pretty ambiguous. Mm -hmm. So it, it didn't really show enough efficacy to be supported to treat those, those um, coronaviruses. Um, so it, it's kind of tough yeah. to say whether or not it would be efficacious against COVID-19. Um, doctors ran a trial uh, of this giving drugs to half of their patient population versus standard care alone. This happened in Wuhan, China, actually, when the when the virus started, and no difference was noted. Hmm. Yeah. It's looking less and less like a viable treatment option, as I keep mentioning the cons. And as I mentioned before, it was overhyped as an HIV cure-all yeah. uh, in the past. I think whoever markets that drug is just really, really, really pushing to make it like the number one drug. Just to bring it back. But those um, highly active antiretrovirals, they have a slew of side effects as well. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Mm. Like they've even, apart from just like the uh, the immunosuppression, they can also cause some osteo, I'm not sure if it's osteonecrosis exclusively or mm -hmm. just osteo, like degradation of the, of, the, of the bones, like osteoporosis and stuff. Yeah. 
So I'm going to say something real quick on that trial that I just mentioned that happened in Wuhan. Because a little bit extra needs to be known before you can fully exclude this drug combo from potentially a good treatment. Uh, so most, if not all, the patients weren't really tracked in this trial. Um, it was more given out firsthand by the doctors present and then said after the fact. It wasn't really a during the process because it was so new at the time. Uh, but the patients that were given this drug combo were pretty late stage in COVID-19 when it was given. And it's actually shown that in late stages, this drug combo could actually be dangerous to the patient because it causes hepatotoxicity. What makes the difference between the late stage and the early stage? Um, I think um, if they're in acute respiratory distress, gotcha. uh, like ARDS, um, that's a pretty big indicator of late stage mm. um, and other respiratory things, late stage pneumonia, pneumonia, organ failure, that kind of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. So most of them were very ill when they got this treatment yeah. in this trial that was done. So you can't really rule it out because of the trial, but you can't necessarily say it was pretty efficacious mm -hmm. at the same time. But it's currently being researched by the World Health Organization. Okay. So I'm going to very briefly talk about this fourth and final one that's being uh, researched in the solidarity trial. Um, it's exactly the same. Um, it's a ritonavir and lapinavir combination, but you add interferon beta. Whoa. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. Immunology. Yeah. How about that? One of those uh, tricky little cytokines. Mm -hmm. So do you remember what interferon beta does? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. It's a T-reg. That's what T-reg yeah. secretes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The T-reg cells. So one of its main functions is it reduces inflammation. Yeah. And it reduces the um, immune response. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A moon. A moon response. A moon response. Sorry, immune response. Um, but so it also suppresses the other um, interleukins, right? It, I think it IL-6. IL-2 yeah. IL and IL-6, maybe. Something like that. Yeah, some of those guys. I think it suppresses yeah. like all of them. I, I mean, mean, it's the regulator. So. It is the regulator. So, so it inhibits yeah. so it it inhibit inhibit a response. ton of stuff. Mm -hmm. I guess when it's given with this drug combo, it actually aids in the side effects and the symptoms associated with these viral medications. Oh, maybe that also helps with the, the uh, cytokine storm that they are theorizing is one of the results of death yeah. for a lot of these cases. Yeah. Very similar to the, the Spanish flu of 1918, mm -hmm. which is why that's why the Spanish flu affected so many young people was mm -hmm. because they had normal functioning immune systems. And then the cytokine storm, which was the overzealous response of cytokines, uh, in the body to the uh, infection was what actually what was killing them. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think about that. That, that could very well be why. Um, so it was shown to be even more efficacious in that same marmoset trial in the MERS infected marmosets. Mm -hmm. So it was even more efficacious. Um, and it has shown some, ex some success in MERS patients in a trial currently being done in Saudi Arabia. And that is big news because Ritonavir and lapidavir alone were not efficacious mm -hmm. in patients. At, at least it was ambiguous and inconclusive. Mm -hmm. um, however, it could lead to worsening symptoms when giving in late stage patients for the same reason why it was previously for hepatotoxicity reasons. Yeah. So that's that one. Those are all the four of the major solidarity trial mm -hmm. uh, drugs. And now I'm going to talk about uh, some other drugs that we're going to that aren't currently being researched. One is maybe about to be started researched in that solidarity trial that I mentioned. But as of right now, these three um, are not currently being researched by the World Health Organization. Mm -hmm. But first, a word from our sponsor. 
Okay, so this one is a monoclonal antibody drug. It's called tocalizumab. I hope that's I said that right. That's beautiful. I Actemra think. is its brand name. Um, and so... <laughs> Toc tocalizumab. Tocalizumab, maybe. I don't know. Uh, so I didn't even hear about this drug uh, until we found this uh, flowchart of a local hospital of their current treatment plans for what they're going to do if they have a COVID-19 patient, which they already have, by the way. And they actually just had a mother give birth to a COVID-19 baby. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's something. Huh, yeah. The first Corona baby. Yeah, Corona baby. Jeez. Imagine being remembered as the Corona baby. <laughs> Imagine how many Corona extras you'd get with no, being known for the, being the Corona baby. How many what? Corona extras. Corona hmm. extra? Yeah. The beer. The beer? Oh. Yeah. It's called Corona Extra? I think so. I'm not crazy. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so anyways, um, so I'll say it again. Tocalizumab. So I found this as one of their treatments um, when the patient is in acute respiratory, uh, has that respiratory disease yeah. in, in distress sy syndrome, ARDS. 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 And um, this so is... So where the other antivirals failed, tocalizumab... Is effective. Yeah, because it's good for late stage patients with ARDS. As of right now, this this particular hospital is only giving it in a one time dose, um, because that's how that's just how much it needed. When HCQ and azithromycin or lapinavir and ritonavir didn't work. Okay, but it's only in an ICU setting. You can't be outpatient. You have to be in an ICU setting um, to receive this medication. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty expensive too. I bet. Uh, so um, it's a, it's an immunosuppressant, um, just like our first drug, Plaquenil, um, for treating rheumatoid arthritis. And I, I don't think it's indicated for it, but I think it was off-label for lupus as well. Okay, cool. So um, the Chinese government is currently backing this as the drug as the drug of choice for COVID nineteen, because um, there's a current 188 patient trial being done underway that is showing massive success. Mm, still not a lot of patients, it's but definitely better lot. than the, uh, the 20 patient the trial. 20 patient trial, right. And they, didn't, they haven't even released these numbers yet, mm -hmm. but the Chinese government's backing this one. This is showing a lot of efficacy. But as of right now, there is no current proven safety or e efficacy behind this drug, uh, which is kind of funny if you think about it. We were talking about this beforehand. A drug that has shown no proven efficacy or safety uh, is currently being considered by a major hospital for treatment of COVID-19. Well, I mean, luckily now we have such, compared to like the past few decades, now we have such profound knowledge of, of how drugs work. And there's a lot of like theoretical evidence behind supporting like what drugs will be efficacious in what scenario. Mm -hmm. Plus we've got like computer programs that can run. They can like, now that they've sequenced the entire genome, they can probably just like throw data at it just Probably. like i why i'm surprised they haven't figured it out already like how to completely eradicate it if they can sequence the genome i don't know and it's not even it's like amazing. a big file it's like 27 kilobytes or something it's not that big yeah hmm. interesting it's probably less than my like computer wallpaper right now <laughs> maybe um i meant i forgot to mention too that this currently is used as a rheumatoid arthritis medication um, because it's an IL-6 inhibitor. Mm -hmm. So an interleukin-6 inhibitor, which is a major cause of inflammation. So another, another, another thing that TREG would be doing. Right. So that's that one. 
and that this these next two uh, currently aren't um, on that flowchart that I mentioned in the major hospital because this next one I'm going to be talking about is not FDA approved. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. It's called and I'm so sorry if I get this wrong, but this one's tough. Favipiravir. Favipiravir. Let me see it. You got it. Favipiravir. I would have said it the same way. It's it's close. Uh, not in the solidarity trial. Okay. Um, and it's not FDA approved currently. At all or just for... It is not FDA approved for any indication. Any indication? Any indication. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is currently used in um, by medical authorities in China, and it was derived as a Japanese drug to treat influenza. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. But it is not... It's another um, antiviral medication. The medical authorities in China claim that it's a pretty efficacious drug for treating COVID-19. Mm-hmm. X-rays have confirmed as well that uh, the lung inflammation and lung issues have been drastically reduced in COVID-19 patients when given this medication. Okay. So pretty good. Yeah. Another issue though, we mentioned with the monoclonal antibody that we just brought up that it's good for late stages. This one's kind of like the other antivirals. It's only really good when you catch it in early stages. Yeah. Which that just is what it is. It's the same way with antibiotics. Yeah. I think that's the nature of a lot of viral and bacterial Mm -hmm. illnesses. Yeah. You have to catch it early. Yeah. And the company that creates this drug, again, not FDA approved, I think it's called Fujifilm Toyoma Chemical, has not currently commented. Wait, what's it called? Fujifilm Toyama Chemical. Fujifilm? Fujifilm. I'm not making it up. Okay. I feel like I've heard that before, but not in the context of of pharmaceuticals. (laughs) Isn't that like a Fujifilm? That's like Like a... Like Fuji TV. Yeah. Like that's, that's like an anime thing. I mean, maybe. Yeah, it's a photography company. I don't know. What are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing making meds? Making drugs. I have no idea. But they have not currently commented on the drug's efficacy on COVID-19. Okay. And again, it's not FDA approved. However, the FDA has mentioned that there's a current there's a current trial being done on this drug. And if that shows uh, really, really good efficacy, it could be fast-tracked for FDA approval as early as of May of this year. Oh, snap. Really, really quick for FDA I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Considering the urgency. Yeah. It's pretty urgent. Yeah. So trial's not done, um, but if it shows really good efficacy, it might be the first COVID-19 drug Mm -hmm. because I don't think they'll, they're not really looking into it for influenza currently, but just for COVID-19. Yeah. So that's that one. Last one I have isn't, do you have, do you have, what was the mechanism on that other one? For the one that we just talked about? Yeah. It's an, it's an antiviral medication. I don't, I'm sure the mechanism of action's out there. I yeah. I don't know what it is. Okay. Because Tamiflu, which I've, I've read like very briefly was being considered for just, I think just because it's an antiviral that, um, I know that that works by inhibiting a certain, a certain enzyme that allows the virus to actually bud from the cell, mm. like from the host cell. And I was just wondering if the that other one was Might be similar. similar. Might be. Yeah. I don't know. Because if it treats the flu, and it, then maybe there's some crossover. Could be. So the last one I'm going to talk about um, isn't even created yet. But I think it's important to bring up because um, we treat a lot of things that we don't really know how to treat like this. And it's called an IVIG, an intravenous immunoglobulin, mm. um, where you basically take the plasma from an infected patient that got over... COVID-19, and inject those antibodies into an infected patient. 
This is a, an example of adoptive immunity. Yes. So you inject those T cells and immunoglobulins back into an infected patient, and hopefully it'll aid in their immune response, building an attack against the COVID-19 virus. That's cool. It has not been discovered yet. They haven't done it yet. Yeah. It's but just there's, a theory. There's one currently being uh, researched by a Japanese company, I think called Takenda. I could be wrong. It's called TAC888 is the current IVIG that they're trying to research. Okay. Um, as I said, it's not currently in existence, but it has, research has begun to try and isolate this particular antibody for COVID-19 specifically. Um, and as I mentioned, IVIGs have shown to be very efficacious in treating other respiratory, respiratory viral diseases. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's just important to know that it is being researched. If you've heard of IVIGs or injecting someone else's plasma into an infected patient, just know that it is being researched, but no one's found that specific antibody yet. Yeah. I wonder what stage of the viral progression would be. Would that be useful for like early or late know. stage? It's a good question. I mean, theoretically, it might be good for all stages. Yeah. Because... Any immune response is better than no immune response. You could just skip the whole development stage of the of your own immune response and yeah. just borrow somebody else's. And maybe those antibodies will learn from that antibody given. It'll be re- releasing cytokines like crazy. So, I mean, that was that was intense. That was really really. I mean, I didn't realize that we had so many theories already. I mean, I guess it makes sense. This is this is an unprecedented global pandemic. I mean, it's exploded. Yeah. Like, like, um, it's so quickly yeah. changed everything. I'm a big sports guy and like, oh, I lost everything. Shut up. I even lost disc golf. Oh, I lost disc golf, man. Baby cow. Why does everything happen <laughs> to me? They shut down March Madness. That's like the first time since World War II they that's, shut down. That's basketball, March right? Yeah. Okay. College basketball you turn. See how little I care. Yeah. Maybe someone out there will understand my pain. I'm sure lots of people will. I bet, uh, yeah. I'm crying right now. I think basketball is a popular sport. Uh, I tend to agree. I've heard of it. <laughs> Michael Jordan and LeBron James. I know those guys. Mm-hmm. Shaq. Yes. That's a big one. I, would, I don't know anymore. That's it. We got maybe Steph Curry. No? I thought that was a singer. No. No, it's not. Stephanie Curry? Stephanie Curry, yeah. I think you're thinking of Denzel Curry. That is a singer. That is a singer. Yes. He's a good guy. Anyway, so yeah. That's how been, it's affected my life. It's been pretty pretty intense. Schools are shut down. We have transitioned yeah. to online pharmacy school, which has been exceptionally we're, wonderful. We're not even doing appropriate social distancing right now. Yeah. Talking into the same microphone I less just, than six feet away. Yeah. I feel sick, but for other reasons. <laughs> We're here quarantined. Mm-hmm. I was under house arrest anyway, so <laughs> doesn't really affect my life. What a shame. My wife, the English teacher, has been uh, making lecture videos from home. They're mm-hmm. amazing, of course. They're yeah. actually like really, really funny. Good. She's putting yeah. a lot of effort into them. She's mm-hmm. really enjoying herself. I'm still working because I work in a uh, small pharmacy that's not small. But I work in a uh, chain pharmacy. We can't pretty, really release that information. Pretty crazy. Pharmacy. Pretty crazy past couple of weeks. Lots of people scared. Lots of people concerned. 
Right. We've been doing lots of cleaning, which is a first for me. Mm -hmm. We both went to LabCorp today. Yeah. Yeah, that was something, because we both had to do a drug test. Yeah. Because you know us. <laughs> <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? I don't know. Now we're going to sound but, like, like criminal, criminals. Yeah. Now we're just drug addicts. It was just a uh, regularly scheduled school-mandated drug test. Mm -hmm. But they were... They really weren't as concerned as I thought they were going to be. What about Corona? Yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh... Like the receptionist ladies? Yeah. Weren't even wearing gloves. They weren't wearing gloves. Mm -mm. Not wearing They let masks. us touch tablets yeah. to sign in. The only thing they said about it was there was like a note, we have hand sanitizer. Yeah. It wasn't even like, don't touch our tablets. Don't touch the tablets. So I don't know. And I couldn't even find the hand sanitizer. Mm. I think I left there dirtier. Yeah. And they're, they they told me they're, they are a COVID uh, sample testing yep. unit. Yeah, they told me, she said something crazy, like they were getting like 900 samples a, a, a week or That's something. Insane. It was insane. That's a lot. Is there even 900 people in this state? There's definitely not 900 people in this town. No. This podunk hick town. <laughs> it's been It's been rough. Quarantine, baby. Mm -hmm. Quarantine party. Yeah. Come hit us up. Don't. Or don't. You can't. No. I'm sorry. Social distancing. Social distancing. It's probably for the best. Yeah. Mm -hmm.